Yo, 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 what's up everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie comic interview. It is your caped crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our new friend, Aaron Darwin of Tilt Comics. How are you doing? Welcome to the stream and Catalyst Comics as well. That's your publishing label. Um, we are here to break down your brand new Kickstarter for issues one through four, the whole story and everything in between leading up to that moment. So Aaron, welcome onto the show. How are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing good. Top of the morning to everybody. Um, it's it's nice to be doing another show and with somebody that I've just met. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, New friends. We, just met not too long on twitter and i it was uh one of those posts where you i think you were asking uh for uh for podcast like uh recommendations i had a couple people take me and that was like i was humbled by that i was like oh my goodness <laughs> all, all these people rising to the cause and uh i was very happy we were able to set this up because tilt sounds like such an interesting concept uh and before, you're breaking the fourth wall the superhero is homeless uh and a little bit of everything in between so before we dive into that let's dive into you what brought you to comic creation like how did you get into this field that um, you're, you're into uh, today. Yeah, so I've been writing um, mostly short stories since I was like 12 or 13. Um, wrote some poetry as a teenager, and you know, luckily you can't find that anywhere anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, I was also a musician, singer-songwriter, so I wrote a lot of music. Um, still write music, but uh, it, it became a thing a few years back when um, I was closet writing a superhero script because I'd never tried to write a script as far as comic books go, mm -hmm. um, but I've always read comic books, and I wanted to just try it out and have some fun writing in a different medium. Um, this was after I went to college, so I went to college and had my master's of education and I was teaching creative writing and English literature. Um, and I decided to do something different and start working on comics. Found out one of my friends was also closet writing superhero comics. And we were like, dude, what if we tried to make something? So yeah. <laughs> we started making something. We hired Matt, um, who was the co-owner of Catalyst Comics. And uh, he came on as the artist for uh, a joint book that we were going to do. Then that person um, fell off the face of the map and left me wondering what I was going to do with this weird story. So the artist, Matt, was like, well, what if we just do your story instead? I was like, okay, let's do it. So Paradigm began. Um, as we started working on it, I decided to ask Matt to come on as co-owner, and he accepted. Um, and then we put out Paradigm in 2018. That was the first comic book script I ever wrote. And then Tilt, I wrote at the same time. So it's one of my oldest pieces of work. And so anytime somebody's like, I dig it, I'm like, well, that's humbling for me because it's like the first just <laughs> comic book script I've written. So, um, but yeah, and then I've just been writing ever since. Um, and, you know, we're going on our like, seventh campaign now and eighth or ninth book, something like that. It's, it's pretty remarkable that you kind of took something that you created that kind of like flopped because the dude fell off and then you were able to like save it and turn it into something beautiful like how does that feel knowing like because i'm sure when when he first left it was very stressful but to have that happen and then have it to involve into this has to be awesome it is yeah it was unfortunate um it was a bunch of life stuff that yeah. um happened to to them he was at my at the time he was my best friend um and then um you know stuff happens and he just chose a different path and just kind of cut off everybody in his life at that point um which is unfortunate but you know luckily i was just 
again, I was just standing there like, I don't know what yeah. to do with all this stuff. Um, and that's when Matt stepped in was just like, let's just do yours then. And I was like, all right. And then um, I realized I had a strong enough world built that I could uh, start sustaining it. There's mm-hmm. uh, right now there's 42 issues planned across like five different titles. Oh and that's goodness. just the comic book stuff, not counting the prose short stories and novellas and stuff like that. So, yeah, you have a a ri- wide array of, of works uh that it's, it's pretty remarkable um let me ask you this real quick though has he ever like asked to get back in like after seeing like the success of like uh catalyst comics um so i the only thing that's ever happened was i noticed he must have been scrolling instagram and accidentally double tapped on something because oh. um, i saw him, i saw him like something that we had posted um and that was it that's the only contact outside <laughs> that we've ever had since then Hey, so uh, let's start breaking into tilt. Let's start breaking that fourth world, uh, fourth wall. Excuse me. It's a, so it's a gritty, uh, self-aware superhero story that follows Patrick uh, E. Tilt. Did I say that right? Uh, a tilt, E. Tilt, either one. Um, <laughs> who is a homeless superhero? I really like that concept. What drove you to make him homeless? Because that seems like being a superhero, one that could break the fourth wall. It seems like you have such unlimited potential. Yeah, so uh, it, this this character, it's a weird story because Paradigm was the first thing I wrote and I had all these extra notes um, on my brainstorming pad about what I thought would be a cool concept for characters and um, none of it fit with who Paradigm was and who I wanted him to be um, and his name's Ben. Uh, but I took it all and I was like, well, what can I make out of this? And that's where Tilt was born and um, Tilt kind of became like a fan favorite. So um, yeah, it, it was it was really just a bunch of notes and I thought it would be a different kind of concept because um, he was taken when he was 15 into the Council of Elders who are the big bads in the entire universe. Of course, there's the little nemesis and stuff throughout the story arcs, but um, as far as the people pulling the strings, it's the Council of Elders and we we established that, we know that, and um, we know that they're the ones that took Tilt when he was a teenager, uh, trained as a mercenary, that was the only life he knew, and then he got a chance to break out. Well, if he was taken when he was 15 and broke out, my first thought was this dude's not going to have any money. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, he's in Boston. He's homeless. He uh, he just tries to make it by. And then we kind of see where he starts wondering why um, or who it was that really took him and what he could do to help his city and then track down these people as well. I, I, the world building in this is just remarkable. You have, uh, it says the whole story is one through four. Uh, was it hard to do that amount of world building within four issues? So I, I might take a weird stance on this that, um, other comic book creators don't like, but I like four issue story arcs. And the reason why is because, um, typically I've noticed when I read a six issue story arc, you have a really strong first issue. And the, the end of the first issue always like establishes a villain. And mm-hmm. so you have a cool s- couple scenes in the second issue that have that villain related. Then you have um, three issues of fluff. You have the end of the fifth issue that's really cool because you're building up toward that final battle. And then the mm-hmm. sixth issue is the battle. I just wanted to cut out fluff. Um, okay. And then it was also a challenge too to see if I could um, create characters that make an impression within a shorter array of titles because four issues uh that's not like a a typical format is it not typically um but once once we form it together because after this campaign of course we'll be turning it into a trade Mm -hmm. um and then with that trade we'll have a couple of extra backup stories that haven't been seen so it'll at least keep give people a little bit more world building um but like i said i like to write prose too so there's things outside of just the comic book scripts that um that people will be able to grab and get really further into the world 
So what pushed you towards that number? Like, was there any significance behind the number four? I know you said you didn't want like fluff and stuff, but like, did you did you plan on the number four first or did it just fall on the number four? Uh, pretty much. So in candid uh, honesty, I had no idea what I was doing when I started writing comic books because mm -hmm. I mean, who does? Um, and then uh, it kind of just ended up that way when I wrote out how I would like that story to play out, mm -hmm. um, that it would fit in four issues. And uh, same with Paradigm's first arc is four issues. But toward the end of um, toward the end of the story blocks that I have planned out, both of them have like a six issue series planned out. So I, I will go a little bit further later on, but I don't plan to be writing these myself that yeah. far into it. So. So uh, I, before we really start diving into anything too deep, um, I, I, I'm always interested about like the creative process. I know you said you had like a brainstorming like a pad. Like, so what does that look like for you? Like when when you get ready to create a, a project or a story, like what's that pad look like for you? Yeah, so uh, I actually do this stuff a lot, and um, you know, like I said, I, I taught creative writing, so I try to teach students to. Um, to sit down with a blank mind first and just whatever, literally everything that pops in your head, just put it down. Mm -hmm. um, I like to do it with a physical sheet of paper. I don't feel the same connection when I do it digitally. Um, but uh, it, that's what happened was two characters ended up getting born, actually three, um, but Silhouette's another character. And um, they all were born in the same few moments of just brainstorming and then mm -hmm. separating those pieces into different personalities. That's so awesome. I, like, and for me, I don't know what it is, but like, I I do somewhat of a similar method. It's almost like the chaos is like soothing. Like, you could yes. almost like, cause on on a computer, they, it types it up so nice and neat, and it's like that, there's nothing chaotic about that. Maybe if I right. type in a couple caps, but uh, you know, writing on paper, it just I, for whatever reason that mess just makes it better. Yeah, and then you're just left with this web of cool content, and you can just pull from it whenever you want. <laughs> so let's start uh since we kind of painted the idea of tilt let's go ahead and take we're getting a, a nice little look at uh the preview so i appreciate that look as well this is tilt one through four the whole story gritty and fourth wall breaking with a whole lot of heart collect the entire story of tilt so you are looking at a twenty five hundred dollar uh pledge goal mm -hmm. um you said you've done a couple kickstarters so what kind of determined this number for you uh we kind of just look at what went into the um the book uh, and this one in particular, the book's actually done. So uh, we kind of have an advantage there. Earlier on, we did some campaigns that were a little bit better for us and we were able to flip that money into continuing other stuff. Um, so for this one, it was more so, we do 2,500 because it's not absurd and then we can start doing stretch goals to get people with some cool extra content. Okay. Um, rather than just doing a really high goal, hoping we hit it and then still not getting people extra cool stuff. No, I got you. I got you. So, is this video? Uh, this something you want to? Uh, is it ready to watch? Uh, that's up to you. It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trailer. Yeah, let's um, go ahead and check it out. Um, I can't full screen it though because it like weirds it out for whatever reason. Yeah, for sure. Um, but um, we'll watch it. The volume will override your 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 side of it. So, just letting you know. Definitely love the artwork in this, though. I, I will say you had one of the best songs for your, your video as well. You can definitely tell you had that, that musical side. I appreciate it. <laughs> I need a chance I get to just uh, sing a little bit of guitar. Is this you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> 
Wow. So first, you sing amazing. Oh my God. I was not expecting that to be you. Like, well, yeah, like you know, well, I, I you know, you, you said you made music and stuff. I didn't know you actually like produced music too. Like that is impressive. That was some good vocals, man. Wow. <laughs> so like, it. are you in a band or anything? Uh, no. I mean, of course, when I was in high school, I was in the punk punk pop because i was gonna say let's plug your music too because dang dude oh man how did that feel did you make that song custom for your campaign yeah yeah for sure um i knew that that was the song i wanted to use for it um because of just the the kind of story that tilt is and mm -hmm. kind of the vibe that we've had in the story so far i thought um you know some frank sinatra my way would would fit and so oh i just my tried goodness. to make it creepy and that's that's what yeah, comes out that is so cool yeah i'm, I'm happy we watch it uh, you're like yeah if you want to and like little did i know that you were actually like singing behind it too so that's that's really cool so let's go ahead and scroll down so the story um for the first 20 physical backers who leave a comment on the Kickstarter page, you're going to offer an exclusive sticker um, to those who are just reading outside of the box. Yeah, so um, that is because, and this is for people that may not know, uh, this messes with Kickstarter's algorithm <laughs> and you know helps us. So it'll help people kind of see the campaign more. I did not um, know that. Um, so yeah, what's that time? Essential. What's that time limit? Like what time type of time limit are you looking for for the first 20? Like within the first hour, within the first like 48 hours? Usually within the first day, if it can happen within the first day. Um, we've never asked for comments before. This is the first campaign that we've asked for it. Um, we let, you know, some friends of ours, they were going to try it out. So they tried it out and it, it makes a difference. And then we talked to um, somebody that we know at Kickstarter and they said that it makes a difference too. So that is, that's, I, I will tell you this. I, I've done almost 50 interviews and you were one of the, the first people that's ever had a tier the first 20 uh, to leave a comment so i think that's genius i appreciate you breaking that down as well because um for these interviews i love it being a spotlight on your project 110 percent. Mm -hmm. but if we can make it any sort of a learning tool for any other creator out there that's where i think we have the most potential to kind of just help and Absolutely. uh this is this is big i can't wait to share like just because everyone's always wondering what they can do to make it better and you know i i never thought of leaving a comment on a kickstarter until then i personally have backed like probably 40 projects and I've never left a comment like because I never thought I never knew you could exactly yeah and so um so once we realized that you know people they'll do it if you give them something yes so yes. like and a sticker for us costs nothing it's not going to add really to the the shipment cost and that's a cool um, sticker too yeah just uh some of my graphic design I do graphic design you do you jack of all <laughs> trades let's go I do a lot of work <laughs> to uh the first 50 physical backers uh so is this another sticker as well? Yeah. This thing's adorable. Ox Oxalotls are hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then it all leads up to this. So on your website, we just had this, uh, the first and the second issue. I noticed that the third one says home brewed. What do, what's the home brewed mean? Yeah, so home brewed is actually the title for the first uh, story arc. Um, okay. And, and it's just a play off of, uh, you know, he he's homeless and stuff. So he's just a homebrewed dude. You know, I, I apologize. I noticed it says one right there. Um, when I looked on the website, I think it was like what came previous and what's next. And yeah, I kind of yeah. just mixed that up with the first. But oh, all right, that, that, that made that definitely makes a lot more sense because I thought I was looking at it as this as the third. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something there. Well, it's also the progression uh, in the artwork between the, the covers. So you see him homeless in the homeless, first one. Homeless, yes. And then, and then the Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci yeah. <laughs> That's that's awesome too. Um, so what was kind of that? Just like you wanted to show like a progression of like his character, his like uh, status, like in in society. Kind of. I mean, he's such a play off of tropes. 
um, that we thought, you know, he, he probably thinks pretty highly of himself because he's still a 15 year old in his brain. Um, so that was just a fun way for us to play off of uh, doing some classical art. And Matt was like, dude, I'll do it. Um, so after the first one, we were like, let's do some classic art just just for Tilt. And um, so we kind of made those homages. Yeah. And I see, um, I really like this one, too. Um, yeah. So any any significance for this though? Because I I, I I know like a little bit of your backstory. So like for this like was this like significantly important for you to have? We always knew that this was going to be the fourth issue cover way back when we started Tilt, um, because you know it's it's him homeless laying on the garbage bags in the left, and then uh, him also touching you know who he is now in comic books over on the right, mm-hmm. um, and then you know he's got Cindy and Exquisite behind him. Uh, and the, the curtain, the, the red curtain, that's significant to the story because um, one of the things you'll learn about Patrick is when he goes to Exquisite's office, he only breaks through the, the upper window and comes in. He never uses the door. So, and it's just because. <laughs> I always love hearing uh, the little small mannerisms like that. Like, what made you want to do that? Like, uh, just, uh, just to make them, you know, have that little bit of flair? Well, with, uh, so Exquisite is a billionaire and um he he owns like a a large conglomerate and so um he's also the one that drove patrick to the council of elders um he kind of plays between the two worlds so he he does whatever he talks about chess a lot um Mm -hmm. when he's talking um and that has to do with his his outlook on how he operates he wants to play between the council of elders and the heroes whichever one kind of gets him an advantage so when patrick decided he knew that he needed to talk to exquisite first um he tried to go in through the door and got thrown out so then he was like well this dude's a billionaire so screw it and breaks through his window and then after he did that does that he's like well yeah he's a billionaire he can pay for it so he breaks through his window every time now oh man you know it'd it'd feel nice too to kind of get that little smash in every now and then too yeah Um, just an annoyance (laughs) were were you a a big chess player growing up as well uh not incredibly i played a lot more checkers with um Mm -hmm. with my dad than i did with than i did with chess but um chess and uh using that as a uh key point for a character i thought was kind of a fun yeah yeah No, I, I definitely I can appreciate. Like, like I said, you add a lot of uh, small attention, like to details. That um, definitely, it's just it's awesome to kind of see like starting to evolve within the uh, the series. Yeah. So right here is kind of just a breakdown. Uh, we've already kind of talked about his beginning, but this also talks about how um, it's tied directly into uh, the the Catalyst uh, Comics universe, which we we talked briefly about previously. But uh, do you want to go maybe a little bit more in depth with that, like what we can expect? Yeah, for sure. In the Catalyst Comics universe, there, um, what we use is the term uh, hyper-evolution. And um, it's been around for a long, 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 long time. But um, in recent society, it's starting to dist- uh, it's starting to uh, show itself a lot more in people developing superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but all along the way, there have been the Council of Elders who are trying to exploit and control um, those that have powers for their own personal gain. Um, or they'll eliminate them if they can't control them. And, um, and that's, that's where we meet kind of Patrick became one of their mercenaries. Um, but then we have people like paradigm paradigm, uh, his name's Ben, he's 21 and he lives in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And, uh, he doesn't know anything about the council of elders. So when we read his story, he's just discovering that they exist. Um, and then what his ties are to their past. And then, uh, silhouette, we meet her in one of our short stories. It's called silhouette shadow games. Um, that particular story is told through the eyes of um, a character named James Salal, 
Um, he's going to be known as the Shadow, and he's Silhouette's main nemesis. Um, but the short story is through his eyes of what uh, happens right before he becomes wow. known as Shadow. And so he's hunting Silhouette, and uh, and he discovers that the Council Elders, you know, while he knew they were bad, he didn't realize that they were in everything. And we discover that Silhouette is actually hunting for her sister that was brought into human trafficking. So um, it's, a, it's a large connected universe. And um, and there's only so much I can say about Silhouette because as a character, she is a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, they're all tied together. So there's- Hey, no, no, no. Um, we, we, don't, we don't ever want you to give up too much of the juice. But touching, oh, that, sure. touching that fine line of the juice, I'm all about uh, the exclusive. So um, well, when, hey, I, we- when I say <laughs> the Council of Elders are the main bad guys, I mean, they're the bad, bad guys. <laughs> so they are the entire point of um those like i said earlier there's 42 issues that are interconnected before we get to the first you know large crossover um and that all has to do with the council of elders and how far that reaches and what these characters are discovering about them the way it's so intertwined it it almost kind of reminds me of like uh like marvel's like hydra like how it's like intertwined Mm -hmm. into every aspect and you wouldn't know about it right away until it just happens yeah it's it's kind of a blend of uh Honestly, inspiration-wise, it's kind of a blend of Hydra and the Court of Owls. Like if they okay, were, okay. If they had a baby. Um, okay, it's it's kind of that vein, and then you know, just having a really bad uh, group of people that are controlling everything and have been for forever. So, sorry, Patrick's kind of like the Talon, then you would say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Patrick, he was involved with them. He did things for them. He was a mercenary for them. Um, whereas the other characters are just kind of discovering that that's a thing. Um, and their connection is only through having to fight them. Um, so, so once awesome. we finally get to see all of them together, I think it'll be something special. Are you able to kind of give us a timeline of like when your, your, your different comics are happening? Like, are they all happening at the same time or a, a few years in between? So, uh, paradigm issue one, um, Issues one through four run parallel with Tilt issues one through four. Um, Silhouette Shadow Games, the short story, that one is, um, it'll be right alongside issue two of Paradigm. Um, And the reason that I giggle when I say that is because Silhouette Shadow Games I released in 2017, Mm -hmm. like before Catalyst was really a thing that we knew we were gonna do. And it's just a prose short story that I wrote for fun. and now you know it's 2022 and we're finally going to see the issue that it's actually tied to um but yeah everything's running parallel except for fire by night fire by night is set in medieval times okay hey but that's still in the same universe right yeah that's still part of the so that's so awesome was it hard to keep the world building intact to keep everything like running in sync with one another like did you have any trouble I, i guess maybe like with continuity like keeping it all like together no, because my brain's broken. Um, <laughs> and, and like when I look at it, I looked at it from I didn't. Uh, I this is another thing I try to encourage people to do. Um, if you're doing something that is world related and it's multiple stories that are all tied into the same universe, um, examine the universe first and then mm-hmm. build your characters. Um, so you know before Paradigm, before Tilt, you know the Council of Elders were the first thing that I kind of established who they are. Um, I don't know that I'll ever get to the point that I get to um, release the story of how the Council of Elders formed in America, but I had this whole plan um, and it'd be like a one shot comic. But yeah, I just examined all of that first and then I broke it down into pieces and that's where we get all the different characters. That is, that's awesome. I, I just, I love scratching like 
creative minds because like to me as a consumer it just seems like such a, a huge puzzle and i mm-hmm. wouldn't even know where to begin with those pieces uh, yeah. so hearing how you kind of just like piece it all together it's just it's phenomenal yeah it's it's fun <laughs> so here are some select pages from issues one through three and this artwork is just gorgeous uh, let's go ahead. this another video as well yeah it should just be like a slideshow let me go ahead uh i want to try to make it to where it's not like cutting some of it off i don't know i might have to zoom out or something <laughs> Ooh, I, I, i've never I, done let, it <laughs> let me go over here here we go oh well there you go um it might just be on like that for a little bit but then we'll, we'll put it uh there we go yeah well boom yeah such uh, gorgeous art so who's your artist on this again yeah, so the, the line art is Joe DeSantos, and the colors are from Ramon um, Amancio. Yeah, brilliant. I, I just, I, I love how you see, uh, seeing him kind of like come together too, like uh, yeah. start evolving into his superhero form. Yeah, we, well, like I said, we play off a lot of superhero tropes, and one of the ones I played off of was uh, superheroes changing their uniforms too much. Mm-hmm. And so within the first three issues, he has like three different suits. He does the t-shirt and jeans. Um, then they give him a white suit and they realize that was a really bad idea because he gets blood all over it. Um, <laughs> and then he gets his blue suit, which will be, um, that'll be his suit for a long, long, long time. <laughs> so blood, uh, can we expect uh, this issue to kind of get a little bloody and uh, like brutal or is it kind of just, uh, yeah. hold on one second, let me add this to the, the screen again. You're fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I think even the preview pages I put on there, some of them are a little bit violent, but um, uh, the the plan was to kind of establish him as a character and then do something that rocks him as a character and okay. see how his response would be. Um, and he was a trained mercenary and he gets to go up against somebody that you'll discover was someone from his past. Um, so things get a little violent. It's the most fighting out of the four issues is the fourth one. Um, okay. I think I wrote like 12 to 16 pages of just absolute de- demolishing fighting so Ooh, that's um, awesome yeah, that's I mean, awesome well you know i've been building up toward the showdown the whole mm-hmm. time so once you hit the showdown it's well let's make it count um so, so was, was issue four uh, available previously or did you just have like one through three just one through three this okay. campaign is the first time issue four is available um but it is already completely done yeah, everything, uh, the art, the lettering, even the preprint formatting has been done. Um, I just wanted to ask that question because I was curious uh, to see if uh, uh, you had four already pre-printed before. I mean, it looks awesome. It looks, uh, I, I especially love this this uh, paneling right here, the way it's kind of split up like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, they're just, it's a good team. I've, I've been blessed to work with a good team. This this looks really gorgeous too. The the car smashing through the window too. The repair yeah. and pawn shop psh, repair yeah. this. <laughs> so we actually um, I, it's not on there now, but um, if people look at my social media stuff, they'll see we put up the uh, the variant cover. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the first one that we've had another artist do. Uh, we had Dan Schmidt. He did a graphic novel called Worms Crawling, and he has a real weird like old school but gritty style. Um, and so he did a cover of when Tilt's holding that above his head um so i don't know how many people would get the homage but the homage is you know him throwing a, a beetle through a window is oh that's like so action, cool action comics number one with superman's classic cover mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah it was always supposed to be a beetle <laughs> Ooh, here's him breaking someone's hand too mm-hmm. 
I still before the blood. <laughs> and then is this is this the kind of the guy we see him go up against? This kind of looks like uh, an antagonist right there. We see the gnarly scars. Yep, that's that's uh, his name is Talon, um, and we'll discover more about their past. Um, you know, speaking throughout. of that, you, you see this right here uh, when you find uh, Talon kill him. So kind of a little interesting foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, this look this looks awesome too. You can kind of tell tell these guys came from a, a similar background the way they're built. For sure, yeah. And what a way to lead off, right? Right when the gun's shooting, uh, shooting off. That's so right. does he ha does he have super speed as well? Uh, yeah, we did a little nod in this this issue that he's a little bit faster than you would expect. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I don't know how far I would say super speed because people you know assume Quicksilver or Flash, and he's not that fast. Um, well, faster than he, the average person, I guess. Faster than the average person for sure. Yeah. And then these are your rewards here. So are these going to be uh, the same as like your your backing tiers, or are these kind of just are a little different? Yeah, so they're all going to... These are images of what the backing tiers will be. Okay, all right, so we'll kill uh, two birds, one stone with them then. Yeah, exactly. So uh, for five bucks, you're going to get Tilt uh, issue number four digitally. Um, outstanding price for the uh, for, for the PDF. Um, For ten bucks, though, you're going to get the whole entire four package, which is an outstanding price for four comics. How many pages uh, are each? Uh, each issue is 22 pages. So, uh, yeah, uh, 88? Is that 88? <laughs> Okay, so 88, 88. pages. I questioned my math. It's too early. I need coffee. 88 <laughs> pages for $10. Um, then for 12, you're going to get issue number four physically and one through four for two bucks more. You're getting the physical. Um, wow, that's 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 an awesome price right there. So is that going to be like an early bird special or is that going to be the whole entire that's price? <laughs> yeah, let's go. So for 25, you're going to get one through four physically, uh, one through four uh, digitally trading card, a uh, or two spreading, uh, trading cards, as well as a tilt sticker. And then um, choose your side. Ooh, this is okay. This is cool. So you have a tier where you could pick the hero or the villain. Yes. Yeah, so we're doing. Uh, this is the first time we've done this, and you can pick either the villain or the hero tier. You get an exclusive T-shirt for whichever character. You get an exclusive patch, an exclusive trading card, and then a handwritten note from either Patrick or Talon. That is so, that's odd. So what drove you to kind of do that? This is like one of the very first times I, I seen a tier like this. You, you are just filled with surprises. <laughs> well, we, uh, I, I was sitting there putting the campaign together. I was like, I want something different and something um, that really makes people think about what side of this story they, they kind of want to fall on. And mm -hmm. there's been people that kind of fall on both. So um, we wanted to do something that has either or. And then how much is this tier going to be? Yeah, so the the individuals, um, they are... Oh, gosh, I don't even remember. We'll have to... Hold on one second. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll just scroll up. Uh, so the hero villain pack is 50, so 55. That's not bad at all because you're getting the tilt one physical A, uh, one through four digital. Uh, the You get the shirt, the patch, the trading card, and then the handwritten letter. So, yep. yeah, outstanding um, value. Yeah, and then there's, of course, a tier where you can get them both together. Um, and then the big Kahuna tier is that one and that actually comes with everything from the hero and the villain packages as well as uh the a canvas print of issue four yep yeah canvas print of that cover um that's gorgeous because. too why wouldn't we um and then two exclusive flash fiction stories those are only for people that get this tier um it'll be digital sent to you and people that don't get that tier don't read it so <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, um, a, a, a freaking sandwich plush as well that's right. Um, so did you, did you design this? No, heck no. 
<laughs> so uh, the first issue, that's like on the first page, is him sitting on a plane wing eating a sandwich. And to this day, it's still the most asked about panel that we've put in anything that we've done. Um, and so this is our way to play it up. And we found some sandwich plushies and we thought it would be funny to actually offer them. That is, that's awesome. I love it. And then uh, an add-on only tier. So the Council of uh, Elders t-shirt. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, just cool. A just for people that want to... I guess be evil or something. <laughs> so uh, right here is a breakdown of the team. Um, we mm -hmm. have you yourself, the writer, mm -hmm. and then your illustrator. Uh, how do you pronounce the last name? You, you might uh, you might you might need to help me with these pronunciations. Yeah, that, that's not uh, my strong suit. <laughs> Joe DeSantos, um, and then Ramon Amancio is the colorist. Um, he Tilt One was his first book coloring mm -hmm. comics, which is ridiculous um and then he finished issue four and he was like i don't think i'm gonna do this anymore and we're like you're telling me that we're the only people that got a series out of you as a colorist um, yeah he, he's fantastic i mean he's already marvel dc level colorist um and to to say that he did our series that's just awesome yeah um, dude, that, and, that, that's so cool man and then dave lentz we actually just brought him in for issue four i lettered all the other ones um, which is why they don't look as great as that. Um, so I but, bet that was nice too to kind of not have to go through that, you know, because that yes. seems like it probably would be a lot of extra work on top of well, even just it writing is, it. And in, in up until um, One Last Job 2 and Tilt 4, I've been lettering everything we've done. And it's a lot of extra work. And um, I just, at the end of the day, decided it wasn't worth it. It's more worth it to pay somebody to do it um, because they're going to help make it look even more professional so when we do the trade he's going to go back and letter um one through three so that we can put the trade together how's that feel i mean was it something where you looked at one through three and you're like ah, like if only i've yeah i mean when i look back through it i'm like oh man i it would look so much better and you can even the funny part about it is um you know looking back through it and seeing my progression as a letterer mm -hmm. and then still deciding it's not worth it <laughs> um and just letting somebody else do it uh but yeah i mean he's a fantastic letterer he does a lot of different books for a lot of different people um and we're we're lucky that we have him working with us now oh yeah that, that, that's awesome I, I just had to ask because like um Anytime a writer or, you know, even an artist or anyone has to take on an extra role, that just like doubles their workload. So I was just kind of curious about that method as well. We have Broken Face Comics in the chat saying hi. Welcome to the stream. Uh, if you have any questions for Aaron, feel free to ask away. Also, hello. <laughs> so we have um, your main cover artist here as well. Yeah, that's Matt Satello. He's also the co-owner of Catalyst Comics and he's the um, illustrator for Paradigm. And he's also the illustrator for Welcome to Everville. And then speaking of Catalyst Comics, right here is a little bit of a breakdown for that. So you guys exist to bring thrilling tales and escape from reality from your inception. Back in 2017, you've released multiple comic books, short stories, flash fiction stories across genres. If you want to learn more about them, visit the Catalyst Comics Studio website. That's also in the link within the description. So if you guys are watching this at a later time, feel free to click that link and check them out. Um, you have most of your books available for sale on that, uh, correct? Yeah, um, One Last Job 2, we just finished fulfilling, so June 1st we'll be putting on um, availability on the website. Um, that one's not connected, so we do have stories outside of superhero stuff. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, that's One Last Job is a spy thriller. Um, we just, you know, we've done issue one, issue two, uh, and then there's Welcome to Everville, that's a uh, dark fantasy horror, and that one's available already. And then risk and challenges are just basically your, your typical thing. Uh, you know, things can happen, um, but you guys promise to have, you know, deliver what you promise. So, um, yep. and you, how many Kickstarters have you done previously? We've done six. 
So you guys have, you know, the reputation of holding up true. Um, yep. So I guess that's just. But we still screw up. And I, I, I like making sure that I say that because even this last fulfillment, um, I screwed up real bad and then I screwed up a little bad. <laughs> I so, screwed so up real bad. But, what happened? Uh, yeah, let's break it down. So we, um, I had, I had sent everything to the printer um, and realized that one of the pages was the non-finished page, but oh, I only no. realized it after it printed. Um, and it came to the house and we were getting ready to package everyone's Kickstarters and I was just flipping through it and I just was like, well, dang. Um, so how did that moment feel? Like I wanted to punch through a window <laughs> and then it just, it deflated Matt because Matt and I do all the fulfillment together. Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess is a good thing because we were able to catch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, people that use backer kit and stuff, when you send it to them, they're just going to send it out for you. So they won't look through it. But, um, I, it was very defeating and I, I realized we make mistakes and, um, I owned up to it. I made sure I, I let everyone know, like, there's a little bit of a delay now cause I screwed it up. So um, what did you do to, uh, to, to fix it? I emailed the uh, printer and he was like, dude, that sucks. Um, let's you know we can reprint it for you and he gave me a little bit of a discount to try to help us out that was um, at least nice of them you know they're they're great if people uh we use comic impressions they're out of florida if anybody needs you know comic books printed um do fantastic quality uh i mean we've had welcome to everville graded that's who printed it and it was like 9.8s when they came back so um, you 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 paid for that out of pocket though uh, that reprint I did. Right? I did because I, I just, you know, it's it was too much. It was, it was, and it was all on me. But so now we have a whole bunch of misprint comics, um, which is it's cool because I didn't know there's a misprint market. But secondly, the misprint was on the same page together, and it was one dialogue bubble after another one. Um, there were two, and they're both just empty. That was the misprint. Um, so we made a little challenge where people could write in a joke. Um, and whatever one we decide wins, we'll probably print it in the trade copy of it. Um, so, you know, way to take to like something like horrible and make it into something good. I think that's that that's been your mindset. Like even from the very beginning of this all, you took a horrible experience and sh shaped it into something that forms Catalyst Comics. Yeah. And this same thing happened like that. I, Aaron, you really have. Um, just this way about you where you're you know you could take those challenges head on and just make them work well in honest honestly it comes out of what catalyst even means a catalyst is something that can cause a chemical reaction in something else without undergoing change itself um so for us we look at that in what we do as we want to try to make an impact on the landscape we don't want to try to make an impact in writing and creativity and how mm -hmm. we think about business um without having to give up who we are as a person um, because, you know, that's something that happens a lot. And that's really why Catalyst is named Catalyst. And that's just how I approach stuff. I may screw up, but I'm going to try to fix it. Even now, you know, I sent all that stuff out after we fixed it. And I got uh, a comment and a message. Um, unnecessary to do both, just so everyone knows. Um, from somebody that was like, you know, I ordered this and I only got a copy of issue two. So I looked at the... Um, the fulfillment on um, where we use for shipping, I realized it was simply I just stuck the label on a different box. Um, oh no! So someone so got an extra back. hookup. Well, I messaged him back and I was like, "Dude, I, I like I'm gonna fix it. It's just uh, the wrong label on the wrong box." Um, and he was like, "Well, I guess that happens." I'm just like, "All right, well, I got it covered, man." Um, but so you know, we're six campaigns in, we still screw up, and yeah, it's just a fact of life. You know, we try to learn is, from it. 
the thing is taking care of it though, because that one person, all you, all, all you have to do is not take care of one person, and then that one person is going to go and tell their friends, and then they're going to yep. tell. It's just a, it's a never-ending ripple. So you have to be on top of it. And what's some of your biggest advices to be on top of it to make sure you get stuff taken care of? Uh, pretty much tear down the ego. There's a lot of ego in comic books, especially in the indie world where people think that they're um, the best thing. Um, and I'm not attacking the mindset because I think you should be confident and I think you should um, acknowledge when you do have a property that you know is enjoyable and that people like. Mm -hmm. um, but tearing down the ego to the point that you know if you screw up, own up to it is the biggest thing that I can recommend to people um, and try to make it right because there are too many people that don't and that taints the entire field for the rest of us. When we started doing campaigns, there were people that just took the money and ran and never fulfilled campaigns. Um, if people don't know, when you kick on when you click on Kickstarter, you go to finish your purchase. It's it pops up and it says, you know, you're not guaranteed any yeah. of this stuff um, and because it's happened. People have run off and taken the money. So um, I think being accountable is important and you should want to do that anyway, just as a good person. And I've written off many people that don't. So. No, I, I, I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, accountability is big in like all fields. Like mm -hmm. if you, if you mess up, own up to it. Um, if you're not owning up to it, then you don't have pride in your brand. You know, that, yeah. that's the way, that's and, the way I look at it. And try to utilize it as a, both to grow from and to, um, like, you know, there's no need for us to say, we'll write a joke in and maybe we'll put, we'll put it in the trade if it wins. There was no need for us to do that. Um, apparently there is a large misprint market that I didn't know existed. Um, so we've had people that are just like, well, you know, I'll take some misprints. Like, let me know what you want. I'll try to help out how I can. And mm -hmm. we can't, you know, we can't thank our bank backers enough for that. And, um, and just taking those things and trying to find fun stuff to do did with you, them. Did you get a lot of backlash though from anyone, uh, over the misprint? zero we had zero backlash and that's probably because you reached out probably yeah yeah i sent it you know maybe 30 minutes after um i discovered it because we just you know we couldn't fulfill any of the projects so you just Matt had to rip like, that band-aid off too oh my god that yeah, well, been it, it was it was bad to like to see it and then sit there for a minute and be like well how do i tell matt <laughs> you're like he's just sitting sitting there we're just drinking coffee like dude we know it's about to be a four or five hour thing of putting these packages together and it's like well matt <laughs> i screwed up <laughs> we, Eli, so we don't just, have to go at this for four to five hours we can we could stop right here <laughs> he just went home <laughs> he was like i don't know what to do <laughs> i was like i guess we just need a day so so uh, real quick um do you feel like we've uh broke down your kickstarter enough was there anything you wanted to touch base upon more um i mean if people like I'll say this, there's people that don't like superhero stuff that have read it and really enjoyed it. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully people will get something out of that. Uh, we've had good reviews from people like Doug Wagner who wrote Vinyl and Plastic. Um, he's a he's a fan of Tilt um, and some small press people like John Schlem Jr. as well. He likes Tilt and uh, he makes things that aren't superheroes. So even if you don't like superheroes or you're just attached to Marvel and DC, there's still something here for you. And my biggest pitch to say would be whatever your favorite comic book is could you imagine having the first issue of it it would be freaking awesome well we give you that option of like you don't know where the properties and i say this for all small press and indie you don't know where any of these properties are going to end up mm -hmm. um but you have a chance to own the the property so <laughs> that's so awesome and you could actually get the first issue for free uh by signing up for your mailing list as well that's right. Yep. CatalystComicStudio.com. Um, you can check it out, see if you like it. Um, and if you don't like it, then, you know, don't tell people. 
Yeah, if you don't like it, get out of here. We don't want you anyways. That's right. <laughs> so, um, real quick, um, what would you say has been some of your biggest success with Kickstarters? Like, for someone who's ran a lot of uh, successful campaigns, what type of work have you noticed working the most for you? Yeah, so uh, superheroes, not a great idea. Um, now, welcome to Everville. I think uh, backer-wise, let's see. One last job number one is our most successful one so far. Um, and and that had, I think it was 177 backers, um, which for us, again, it's not like we're paying for advertisements and we're not all over the place. We're still small press. Yeah. Um, so for us, 177 backers on a number one for a black and white spy thriller comic book is fantastic. And, yeah. Uh, financially, it was good for us. Um, you'll notice drop off um, on your second issues uh and that happens in marvel and dc in case people don't realize that typically it's a 60 percent drop off we went from 177 backers on the first one to 112 or something on the second one so we didn't hit 60 percent. so that that makes us feel good um so that's a spy thriller did really good it was so uh, selected as a project we love from kickstarter how'd you um, uh how'd you deal with that second drop off like because that had to have like hit you like you know mentally you know as, as the creator of this comic seeing that much of a drop off uh actually didn't bother me at all <laughs> okay um because i went into i went into it knowing first off it's a it's a niche property because it's okay. spy thriller um we it's black and white so there's some people that just don't won't bother with a black and white comic book um the drop off though there's so many different factors of why it could happen it could have been when you put it out um we we ran it at different times um some people may not have liked it and not wanted to come around for issue two that's on everybody i'm the same way if i read something and i don't connect with it i'm not going to keep buying it yeah um but to not have hit a 60 percent drop off for for me that's why i, I just counted as a win and just okay keep moving on so um, um what would you say for like because there's a lot of people who like look at that number every day mm -hmm. refreshing it you you seem to have a good like way to kind of disconnect yourself from that like to where it's not affecting you nearly as hard like what would you say to people out there that are kind of just stressing out over their campaign funding goals and stuff and 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 people falling off like to kind of help them breathe a little bit stick to the um so it i think it takes more for somebody to tell you they like something than it takes for them to tell you they didn't like something yeah um we have always struggled with people, uh, you know, sending us pictures of them wearing merch or like uh, saying out loud, like posting about anything that we've done. And then we actually get to sit down in front of them at a con or something and talk to them. And they're like, dude, I love this series. Oh, I saw this in my comic book store or whatever. Um, and those moments for us are impactful. Um, but typically the things you will hear are from people that want to nitpick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, not every comic book's for everybody. Make sure you know who your audience is. Um, and if you're doing Kickstarter, make sure you know what properties, you know, you're kind of uh, you're pitching for us. When we do a superhero story, we know it's not going to be a baller campaign. Um, but Matt and I love superheroes. That's how we grew up and we have a story to tell and I'm going to keep doing it. So, yeah, uh, but then we we do other ones like Welcome to Everville. And that one's a dark fantasy and horror. And that one um, was when we did it, our most successful one by far. Uh, for instance, to, to really put this into perspective for people, um, Paradigm Number One is the first campaign we ever did. Nobody knew who we were. Um, we talk about this a lot on the Beards and Comics podcast. Um, 
nobody knew who we were. We had 34 backers. I had set a $4,500 goal. So real bad idea. Um, we got halfway through and um, a couple of people came to us and they said, get whatever you can get. We want to help you get the company started. So we'll we'll get it the rest of the way there. That um, is that's awesome. That's so do you think yeah. that like was like pivotal to like the success of everything going forward? Yes, uh, it was absolutely crucial. It helped us a lot. Um, it was going to be real discouraging to have a failed campaign for our first campaign. Was that someone though? That, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt. It's just it, that, that's so mind blowing. Was that someone like you knew or someone who like stumbled onto the Kickstarter? It was a few different people we knew, um, but we didn't know that they were going to do that. No, they, they, um, that they saw your passion and they wanted to, to, to help you achieve that. That's so remarkable. That's awesome. Yeah, and it just, um, so even in the end, we had 34 backers on our first campaign, um, but we're thankful that it, it did what it did. Um, that book's only gotten a little bit more popular since then, which was Paradigm. Um, and then because of the money we got on that, we made Tilt 1. We didn't we didn't campaign Tilt 1. We uh, contacted a bunch of stores. We offered incentives, and we got them into a few different stores. Um, and then we did the campaign for Issue 2, and that's when we started seeing the growth. But to really put that into perspective for people, consider that Tilt number 1 wasn't even a campaign. Tilt number 2, we did... Uh, 50 to 60 something backers tilt number three which was a couple years ago now we did 77 backers um and then now we're sitting at 51 that are following the pre-launch for tilt four so you know campaigns on kickstarter if it's superhero probably not going to be fantastic mm-hmm. um if you're not coming from dc or marvel uh, but for us seeing that growth each time we released a campaign has been what keeps us kind of sprawling forward and then putting more effort into stuff than we ever have before. It, it definitely seems like Kickstarter has that trickle effect too with each campaign kind of helping you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable that you had people helping you in the beginning too mm-hmm. um, that were able to see that passion and help you uh, achieve it. Do you say, would you say your second, uh, so your, your uh, Kickstarter for Tilt 2 was easier because you had Tilt 1 already done and like you, you were able to show that you already had a book established? It was kind of, um, it was it was neither here nor there, I guess, because um, we kind of had to go at it in a different way because we hadn't we hadn't just given tilt one to people, so it was still having to introduce. In fact, um, you know, you can get tilt one for free on the website. We didn't start that until January, I think this year. It might have been this year, maybe last year. But it, and it helped our email list grow by. That's a pretty lot. smart. That was pretty a pretty smart move. Because yeah, anyone and, wants a free comic, all you gotta do is give your email, you know. Well, and just uh, to give away more uh, trade secret, whenever somebody follows us on Instagram, we shoot them a welcome message that also encourages them to go to the website and sign up to get that free comic. Um, we just kind of try to do that automatically when we get a new follow, and it's just a you know, we know following doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people, but we appreciate it, and that's what yeah. we say we appreciate it, um, and to introduce a property to people. And um, so this will be the first superhero campaign since we did that. And I'm interested to see how that, you know, comes together. No, that and it's going to be cool, too, because it's going to be the first time issue four has been available. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, that that should be uh, pretty big for you as well. Now, real quick, before we uh, wrap things up, what type of incentives were you offering for those comic stores? uh, If you want to share that. Yeah, so that was for Paradigm One, uh, new publisher. We knew people didn't know us, so it's going to be more of a risk. Um, for those that don't know, that's why a lot of stores don't bother with indie and small press because um, they they know that it's more of a risk for them because it's harder to sell. They don't know anything about the property, so they don't mm-hmm. even know how to pitch it to customers. It's going to be just people floating through and picking it up off the shelf. 
um, which, believe it or not, does happen. There are people that go into a store looking for stuff that's not from bigger companies. Um, so for us, when we did Paradigm, what we had uh, contacted different stores and um, we gave them an incentive variant of Tilt number one. Um, and it was just like five copies. And uh, what ended up happening was a store in South Carolina, they were like, this is awesome. This is the first variant we've done as a store. That's and so all cool. we did was we took Tilt One's regular cover and we changed out the Tilt logo into a neon sign that had the store's um, name on it. Oh, were, dude, you did that yeah. for each each store, or uh... yeah, yeah. Uh, so how much that store. how much that cost you uh, to do? Well, I'm a graphic designer, so it didn't cost me really. Okay, anything. okay. Was... Well, uh, how much time would you say then, if you had to put uh, like a number on it? Probably a couple hours. How many stores? Um, I think we did three different stores with that. I bet, that I, I bet they ate that up. I bet they ate that up. I bet that, what ended up happening was that store in South Carolina, when we were going to release issue two, because this was all because of Paradigm One, mm-hmm. and then we had Tilt One and we didn't kickstart it, but they got the incentive covers of it. So what ended up happening is when we released issue two, the guy from South Carolina called me and he was like, hey man, like I want a variant variant cover. Like I want something actually made for the store. <laughs> and we were like, all right. And he ordered a hundred copies of that. Oh, um, dude, that, so that's big. That is, how did yeah. that feel? How did that feel to have that idea take off like that? Well, I mean, we freaked out because it was awesome. And then the team, like I got to tell them and they were thrilled. Um, and so the artist, Joe, he was like, I'll do it. He said, I'll do it for free because that's just dope. Um, so he did the cover for them. Um, so when we put out the trade, I'm going to put every cover we've done for different people in it. Um, so then issue three drops and he calls me again. And he was like, I want an homage cover. So we did. Um, I don't even remember the number. The same store? Anyway. Same store. Same oh, store. dude, he that's ordered. so cool this time he did 150 copies um and so, so they're, that they're, one, they're selling they, they have to be selling they're if selling yeah. yeah yeah that um, is so awesome that's how, how does that feel to have that idea just like cultivate into he's probably gonna want the same thing for issue four right yeah um in fact we already know what the cover is we we made people vote on the homage um and so now i get to tell them uh, that we're ready to do the campaign because this campaign is a year past when we wanted to do it. Um, not that people know that or realize that, but Matt and I have this stuff kind of planned out in our heads of when we want stuff done. Um, and by heads, I mean a whiteboard. But uh, <laughs> but this one is a, a year past when we wanted to do it. We wanted to do a full motion comic of issue one before. Um, and if people don't know, you can. there's a motion comic of the first part of issue one that's on YouTube. Um, and we wanted to finish that and use it as a way to launch into the campaign. Uh, but I just don't have the time to finish it because I was the one doing it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It um, seems like you already have a, a big plate already, you know. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to do other stuff now. I spend more time writing, um, you know, blogs and stuff on Substack. And then I'm also I'm working on something that's probably going to be not released by Catalyst. And um, I'm trying to put more effort into that. Right. Ooh, is that right like, a, like on a different label or a different venture? Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can keep it there. We can keep it there. We can keep yeah, it there. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot before we get yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... You're good. You're good. So, wow. Well, before, yeah, yeah, I said earlier I wanted to talk about this too. Let's break down your podcast. So, you're also, you have a pretty big podcast as well. So, what do you do on there? 
Yeah, so uh, two now, actually. Um, Beards and Comics podcast is for people that want to know what it's actually like being an indie comic book small press creator. Um, some of the episodes are just Matt and I just talking about stuff. Uh, and then there's other ones we bring people in. Some of them were people that have campaigns. Some of them were people like Doug Wagner, Brian Stelfreeze, uh, Tim Seeley. Um, we've had some great guests in just asking the questions, like all mm-hmm. the industry questions that we're wondering and that most other people are wondering, like, how do we get to that next step or whatever? Um, and then Matt and I also talk about our our failings a lot um, and things that we've learned along the way. And then it's funny now to go back and listen from episode one to like 80 something, um, seeing how our mindsets changed on different subjects. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's good for anyone that wants to know what it's actually like and that maybe is an indie comic book creation now. Um, and then we do the Dementophobia podcast. That one's a little bit more fun for us where uh, we take a fan fiction story off of a website and read through it and just joke around and have fun. Oh, that's um, we cool. We just finished up uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Dino Neo Thunder, some crazy story. And before that, we did uh, My Little Pony. And my daughter is obsessed with my little pony. Like I had to uh, like in that aspect, uh, become a brony so I could like, cause this was back uh, when she, um, she had speech delay. So she Mm -hmm. used to, she used to love my little pony. So the way I'd get her to talk, I'd be like, Hey, so what did you like about rainbow dash? Or what did you like about this? And it would encourage her to talk and help her kind of break through that speech impediment. And uh, it, yeah, I, I, I know way too much. I've watched so much. The we knew nothing but that's what made it so fun was like discovering fan fiction where like two of the my little ponies are like feeling up on each other and yeah stuff. i was gonna say that probably got weird so some it of the got, fanfic out there is weird well and we kind of want it to be that way because it's mm-hmm. funnier you know um and going forward though we are changing the format and what we want to do is have different people um so i could probably talk you into this uh different people come on and actually find a story in whatever it is that they want and um, read it to us and so that we can react to it. Oh, and, my um, God. <laughs> yeah, because right now it's me reading it to Matt yeah. and him reacting. Uh, but I would rather be reacting to a story, too, and letting whoever's going to host that, that little set pick whatever it is. That, that would be a really cool thing. We have the next one, I think, is going to be um, someone wanted to do a Golden Girls fan fiction reading. So it's, oh, my God. It's, Naruto would be a good one, too. There's some crazy ones out there, too. Yeah, anything. Dragon Ball Z, uh, Pokemon, anything you could think of has fan fiction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that, what that, we're going to start that doing. Rule 34. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, Dementophobia podcast uh, and then Beards and Comics podcast. Oh, that's so cool. I really like the concept of that, too, because there's, there's just so much you could do. There's endless amounts of fanfic out there. Well, pick something and come read it to us. Hey, I'm about it. Hey, hey, let me <laughs> let me get it figured out. I, I have to find something good. Uh, so when when are we looking at this launching uh, the Kickstarter? We have picked the date. It's going to be June 15th. June, so it's going to be 28 days or is it because it says 28 days ago. I don't know if that's something you can pick or. Uh, yeah, we pick. But uh, honestly, I may drop it to 21. So why uh, a shorter campaign? Uh, that almost seems like uh, it's like cutting yourself short. Um, well, some people do like a two month campaign and, uh, that is the mo- too much stress. Any, any, like, I don't not get stressed. I'm stressed during a campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's, so 28 days, what we've noticed is the whole middle part of your campaign doesn't matter. Um, what matters is the launch. The launch is the biggest thing. And then the very last three days mm-hmm. are when you'll see another huge bump. The whole middle part for a lot of people is literally dead. I mean, zero, you'll go days with zero backers. Yeah. 
um, and that's stressful. Um, so then we've noticed some of our friends have started trying out the 21 day thing and it works fine. And it's just to get in, get out, get the project fulfilled and then move on to the next thing. Cause there's stuff outside of this that we need to continue with. Um, and we don't want to get tied up in having a long campaign and a long fulfillment time and all that. Yeah, I mean, your fulfillment time should be relatively short since you already have everything uh, done as well. I mean, there's a lot of people when they're running their Kickstarters that only have like a couple pages done and then they're looking at trying to fulfill it after everything's paid. And um, yeah. that just adds months and months and months on top of it. But so we know with- we know a lot of people that do that. where It's <laughs> just they do the five pages for a preview mm-hmm. and then they launch it and they don't do the book till after. We've never done it that way. Um, we've played it risky before and it hasn't worked out. So we didn't we didn't want to miss a deadline. Yeah. For us, honestly, because this is done, I'm already about to start ordering stickers and stuff just because I can, um, and probably the canvas prints and the, the plushies. So once all that stuff's in, it's really just going to be the book printing. So my mindset is to run this in June and July and have it fulfilled by early September. And then are you looking at tr- trying to set up another Kickstarter after that, or are you trying to take a couple months in between? Um, not immediately after that, but I know uh, Paradigm 2 is coming up. Um, we also want to do One Last Job 3 and One Last Job 4 so that we can close out that story. Oh, okay. You you definitely you have your plate f- filled. Aaron, wow. I, I, I loved our chat. Um, I am excited for uh, Tilt 1 through 4. Um, I did sign up, so I'm waiting uh, to get issue 1. Um, as soon as we get issue 1, I'm going to do a little review for you if you want, like a little thing on Twitter to kind of get it uh, signal boosted out there. Well, um, but, we talked earlier about, you know, getting you to host the... the yeah, I would night. be honored. Um, I would be honored for that, too. That'd be so cool. That'd be my first one. So I Well, would in def- that case, I need to send you all four of them so you know what's going on. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, guys, I think it is perfect time for us to wrap things up. We are looking at having another indie comic interview, I want to say, in the next two hours. So I need to take a little breather, get a little nice little walk out. It is a beautiful, beautiful day out. Hope you all have a fantastic Saturday. Be sure to check out Aaron on all of his respective social media platforms. In the links before, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If there was anything else I missed, feel free to shout it out. Uh, If you guys just want to read my random writing and creator's mental health stuff, aarondowen.substack.com. So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Substack, what is that? that? That's like a blog post? Uh, Substack, is it was created by writers for writers where it's like, okay. um, it's almost like a Patreon just for people that write articles. That makes sense. Thank you for uh, explaining that because I've always been kind of curious on like what it was. So be yeah. sure to check them out on Sub- uh, Substack and be sure to sign up. Um, anything we can do to help fund his passions, to keep that wheel churning and to help him create more awesome projects in the future. With that being said, guys, have an awesome day, but most importantly, keep it geekly.